Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff and I am sitting in the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. And I'm sitting here, of course, with Tom Dorian. Hello, Deacon Jeff. How you doing there, Touchdown? Great, great. Uh, How are you? I see you got that big donut in front of you. <laughs> you I know, didn't know they made it in the that No, big. this is not a donut. I gave donuts up. I don't have okay. any, no no uh, no sweets right. right now. Yeah, right. What well, they they believe you? But we do have a wonderful guest, and he's been with us before. It's Father Anthony from the Franciscan Friars of Renewal. Uh, Father Anthony, welcome. Thank you. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really welcome down south. Uh, you want some sugar in your tea? Yeah. Uh, exactly right. Well, great. Uh, you know, we were so glad and happy that you could uh, you could join us, and we thought since we're you know you're joining us, everything's fun and happy. We thought we'd we'd come with some real serious, heavy topic now. Beautiful. Uh, you know, it's nothing like uh, spiritual warfare, the devil, hell, demons, and evil to really kind of lighten your day and make you feel good about things. It is, well, it is the season of Lent. You know? <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I know we probably should sort of frame this this uh, discussion that we're going to have uh, a little bit about evil and maybe uh, how we experience that and discern that in our lives and and what's going on there. We should maybe start with what the Catechism points out. The Catechism of the Church talks about just man's uh, life overall. And it's, it's a battle. You know, it's a battle to, to choose good over evil. Uh, it's a battle to make good decisions. It's a battle to avoid the near occasion of sin. It's a battle to fight temptation, all these things. And, and I like uh, paragraph 409 there. Uh, Deacon Jeff, that that explains it very well. It gives a beautiful quote from Gaudium et Spes Vatican II there. Let's read that. The whole of man's history has been the story of dour combat with the powers of evil, stretching, so our Lord tells us, from the very dawn of history until the last day. Finding himself in the midst of the battlefield, man has to struggle to do what is right, and it is at great cost to himself, and aided by God's grace that he succeeds in achieving his own inner integrity. Now, someone reading that might think, be surprised and think, well, you know, I, I didn't really believe there was a devil. I didn't believe there really was anything negative that, you know, maybe we would turn away from God, but there, there wasn't somebody, there wasn't an opponent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to do battle with. And so our catechism and Gaudium et Spes is telling us differently, isn't it? Certainly. I, I think uh, you can have different um, overemphases sometimes with the devil or the even lack of the devil, you know, certain, there are certain sectors of society that would completely, um, they would completely explain away any influence of the devil. Psychology would be one of those fields. There is no devil. It's a neuroses. It's a psychosis. It's something like that. Then you could have actually some uh, an overemphasis in the opposite way. Uh, too much emphasis on the devil and his and his role. I remember. As a as a kid, I wasn't a big fan of it, but I do remember this episode of Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. where they had one of the skits. Father Anthony's not telling people to watch Saturday Night Live. He's yeah, just talking I'm about his sordid past, not. right? His history uh. before Christ. Okay, uh, before Christ, and. Um, and there was this one episode I remember where Jesus was fighting the devil. The devil's in a red suit, and Jesus was in a tunic, and they were in this boxing ring going at it, you know? And it's, it's kind of a false notion, but it, but it does, I think, give a little bit of truth 
of how the world understands these things. Huh? Is it Jesus and the devil are equals or something like that? It's, but it's actually uh, just the opposite in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus comes out of the gates like a thoroughbred, and he's casting out demons. In a way, he's, he, he understands uh, what, what John says in his first letter, that the, that the world is in the power of the evil one. And he is there to cast out the power, the influence of the evil one. Now, Hollywood takes that into the movie The Right or The Exorcist 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. It's like the Rocky movies. That's Keep right. going on, you know. And they kind of, Hollywood, they over-dramatize it. If that's a word, over dramatize, over dramatize. Yeah, it. very good. The head we'll is accept that. the head is spinning. You know, the, the the nails are vomited. All of these things, huh? That uh, and I call it the jaws of what what that leaves in its wake is the jaws effect. Do you remember seeing the jaws? Movie uh, Jaws one two three four five uh, back in the day, <laughs> and every little kid I remember, you would look in the swimming pool. You would you would look in the swimming pool and wonder if that's where is jaws. there a shark down there? <laughs> right. And you're seven eight years old, and certainly if you're in a freshwater lake, there's no sharks there. You would be worried about is it? And now if you're in the ocean, I think I'll just go up to my shins and then I'll come back right. out because you're afraid Jaws is out there. And there's many people who live in that fear. I think the same thing has happened, the Jaws effect, if you will, to these exorcism movies or the what Hollywood has done to, um, in a way, to play up the role of the devil. We have to be so petrified of his influence, yet the devil's role is much more quiet. It's much more hidden. It's in the shadows, you know. Matter of fact, the the Jews in the Old Testament believed, um, certainly around Jesus' time in the Talmud, there's there's certain writings about the the evil spirits. They would hide out in shadows, a shadow of a sycamore tree. If there right. were, there was a boat along the Lake of Galilee and it was turned over, they would be hiding in the shadow of a boat. Uh, it was much more hidden, his, his, his way. He, in a way, he's non-confrontational front to front because he can get more work done in a subtle way. Huh? And then, of course, what is that work? It's, I, I don't think the evil spirits are going running around the world hoping to possess as many people as possible. They want to bring about the ruin of souls, and they do that, as Jesus says, uh, by lies, by deceiving the world. Uh, Satan is the father of lies. And lying, as you know, uh, can be giving a half-truth, can be withholding a little bit of the truth. You know, we, we call these things white lies, big lies. This is really the work of the evil one. Yet, the seeds of a little lie today can become a, a tremendous, um, tremendous sin and a tremendous uh, uh, terrible consequences in the future. You look at someone like Adolf Hitler starts with small seeds, small right. lies, that when he was a teenager in, uh, in Austria, listening to one of these uh, really uh, fascist uh, preachers, if you will, those little seeds that were implanted in his heart then, you see the terrible consequences that were played out over the years. So really what you're helping us to understand here is that we need to... Well, we, we need to realize that there is a devil, right? And that's going to make our Baptist listeners very happy that the Catholics believe that there really is a devil. That's right. Right? But that we need to have a, a, a really uh, a, a better understanding of what the church teaches about this. And not to go to either extreme here, but realize that there is that, that the problem of evil is a problem. That's right. Right? It is a problem. And, and the catechism tells us plainly that it is a battle. That's right. It is but, a battle. But really, if we think about it, like the victory is won. 
right, by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Christ is victorious. He was victorious over death. And he's, he's paid the price for our sinfulness. It's just we need to have that, that reasoned uh, and faithful recognition of him winning that battle for us. And that will help us in dealing or discerning the devil in our lives, right? That's right. That's right. And these lies can remain very hidden. They can, uh, uh, they can be right underneath the surface. And that's why uh, we need to have good discernment. We, we need to be able to discern with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit what is a lie and what is a deception. Huh? That uh, is not easy to do, though, Father. You know, that's, if, if there's any challenge out there in the world today, it's realizing that something, while in and of itself may not be sinful, but it's going to lead us down a sinful path if we continue to think it's not having an effect. I, I know too many parents, as a parent of nine myself, I know too many parents who have said, it's okay if my kid watches that show. It's not a problem. My kids are old enough to understand this, that, or the other thing about that show, and they can make the right moral decisions. But the reality is the more we're exposed to those things, the less dangerous they look. That's right. And that, that can be scary. And that's when, like you say, the devil does his best work. That's when he does his best work. That's right. You know, uh, many spiritual writers, I'm thinking specifically St. Bonaventure, um, they, li- they, they have listed, he has listed, in a way, three things that you can choose. There is certainly an evil act that you could choose. There's a good act. And then there's the greatest good. Well, the evil spirits can propose to you and to me not only an evil most of the time, if we're walking with the Lord, we're going to be able to spot that right away. Okay, I know an act of ad- adultery. I know a theft. I know uh, outright lying. These things are evil. However, the evil one can propose to us a good, and it's a true good. It's not an evil act, but then can lead to terrible consequences. For example, so... Uh, um, Let's take a father of nine children. Okay, a father. Who could that be? Who, 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 who could that be? He's looking at you. I hope, I hope this is a good <laughs> story. Not at me. You know, I've got this red button I can press. And okay, you just, okay. You, you get silent suddenly. I don't, I don't want to happen to your That's mic, right. Father Anthony. That's right. So let's let's say Deacon Chef, you're gonna you're gonna take your show on the road. You got a, a wonderful radio program. You and Tom are gonna hit the road worldwide. It's a great success. Um, you're bringing in great money. You're giving it out to charities and things. You're going here and you're there. And who's at home? Your wife and your nine kids. The work that you're doing is very good. In a way, it could be building up the church, quote-unquote. It could be making many converts. Yet you are not being faithful to what God has called you to do. And therefore, the evil one, by proposing a good, maybe you could even see good good effects to that. Huh? You're not doing what God calls you to do. And that was the, the temptations that the devil was proposing to the Lord Jesus. He, he, except for the one throwing yourself off the, off the cliff there, off the temple parapet. Proposing goods, but in a way they, they were um, apart from what his father wanted him to do. And that's ultimately what the devil wants for us. Not to do what our Heavenly Father wants, you know, is, is calling us to do. I remember reading some St. Ignatius of Loyola, and one of the things he talked about was how to discern in your life whether something was good or bad. And the example is, is raised that, say, a man wants to spend two hours in prayer in a day, and he's a family man. And that's a wonderful thing to do. You'd think that's a good thing to do. But if he chooses that hour of prayer from like 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., well, his wife might be a little upset because he's not helping get the kids ready for school and get the day started, etc. So there he is over there kneeling in prayer in his, in his room. And so 
that prayer in of self, while it may sound like a good thing, is really sowing seeds of disharmony and maybe a little bitterness or anger or something like that. So maybe that is not such a good thing. But if he chose a different time, right, that sure. it worked out great, then all of a sudden the good seeds are sown and, and, and there's harmony and happiness and joy and love. So your point is well taken, Father, and uh, I'll try to do better as a father of nine. But we will come back in just a moment. We've got to take a break. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. I uh, also want to remind you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. So with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Gianna Beretta was born in Italy in 1922. Her parents were devout Catholics who taught her to love God and trust in Him alone. She was an excellent student and greatly advanced in her studies. While at school, she spent much of her spare time living out her faith by assisting the poor and the sick and while working with such groups as St. Vincent de Paul. She graduated medical school and became an accomplished physician. In 1955, Gianna married her true love, Pietro Mola, and started a loving Christian home. In the next four years, the Molas were blessed with three beautiful children. Gianna excelled at her God-given ability to balance her life as a wife, a mother, a physician, and as a living witness of Christ's love for all mankind. All was well with Gianna Mola until the fall of 1961. While joyously received, her fourth pregnancy was only in its second month when doctors discovered a cancerous tumor in her uterus. The tumor was growing rapidly and would soon take her life unless immediate action was taken. The doctors insisted on either a radical hysterectomy or an abortion. Gianna made an heroic choice, a choice her family and friends say she prepared for her entire life. Against the recommendations of doctors and enduring great pain, Gianna chose to forego treatment and allow this fragile little life to come to fruition. Even days before the baby's due date, Gianna, weary from the struggle, demanded, If you must choose between me and the child, do not hesitate. Choose the child. I insist upon it. Save the child. On the morning of April 21st, 1962, Gianna Emanuela, a beautiful, healthy baby girl, was born. Just one week later, the 39-year-old Gianna Beretta Mola, a woman who literally gave her all for her child, died. For her life of devotion to her vocation as a wife and mother, for her love of those in need, and for her ultimate gift of herself for the sake of another, she was canonized a saint on May 16, 2004. In his homily on that occasion, John Paul II said of her simple yet heroic life, Through the example of Gianna Beretta Mola, may our age rediscover the pure, chaste, and fruitful beauty of conjugal love, lived as a response to the divine call. St. Gianna truly lived her faith. Her feast day is April 28th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. 
And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm still joined by our guest, Father Anthony, from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And, Tom, we talked about the devil sort of, I don't know, lurking in the shadows, not to the degree that every stone we turn up is going to have a devil under it, but... The battle. That's right. But, but Father Anthony, how does the devil do what he does? How does he deceive us? So let's look at uh, Catechism 397. Uh, and, again, I think... Uh, I think along with that, Deacon Jeff, it's important not to be paranoid about the working of the evil one, but um, to be uh, spiritually discerning uh, men and women of God, because that, that is the Holy Spirit allows us to see the, the workings of lies and, and of the evil one. But in Catechism 397, it says, Man um, and woman, tempted by the devil, let his trust in his creator die in his heart, and abusing his freedom, disobeyed God's command. This is what man's first sin consisted of. All subsequent sin would be disobedience towards God and a lack of trust in his goodness. We hear that word trust twice in there. So the trust is the, is the, the hot word there, trust. And, and I love that, that, uh, that paragraph from the catechism. Oftentimes you'll hear as a kid in your, in your Bible classes or your catechism classes, man, uh, Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. They... Um, they they certainly sinned in pride, um, diso- disobedience. You hear all of these things, but the root of all of that, I, I truly believe, is this whole theme of trust. That uh, that the the ancient serpent, uh, speaking to Eve and 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 to Adam, but uh, starting with Eve, did God really say that? Trying to sow a seed of doubt, trying to sow sow a seed of. Uh, mistrust that god cannot be trusted in this matter isn't it interesting in many of uh, some of the movies that hollywood puts out specifically about the catholic church or even the media about the vatican and the secret archives and the secrets of this and dan brown novels and all sorts of these secrets and things like that well people know many of these things are novels right they're they're kind of stories made up however it does leave many people to doubt the authority or the authenticity or the goodness of uh, of the Pope or of the Vatican, or it doesn't have to be a religion, but it sows seeds of doubt. Well, we there's secrets going on over there, so we can't they can't right. be trusted, right? And so I think it's really the work of the evil one. You can see it in families. You can see it in families if we're not careful. Uh, by by kids watching certain you know TV shows or whatever, all of a sudden can take a completely different attitude towards their parents. Mm-hmm. We see it in, in uh, certainly within the church as well. Relationships of, if you will, superiors and and uh, and those under them. Um, certainly in politics, a mistrust. This is this is the this is I believe the whole agenda of the evil one. You say that, and I remember reading a book recently. It's called The Decline of the Catholic Church in America, I think. And I may have the title wrong, but one of the, the big things that, that caused a huge problem in the Catholic Church had nothing to do with the church itself. There was just, uh, in the 60s and so, we're, you know, we're doing the, the Vietnam and then later the Watergate. And all of a sudden, people are, they're mistrusting anything in authority, mm-hmm. any organization. That's right. And the Catholic Church was one of the world's, and is, one of the world's biggest, if you call it an organization, Right, and so naturally they look there and they go, "We can't trust them either." That's right. And so it's really easy. You see that that doubt that comes in that we, you know, we need to check up on what Father is saying. I'm not sure I buy, I buy that. 
That's right. That's right. And and it's and it's very very harmful when you when you're talking about familial relationships. And this is what we're talking about: a father and his son and his daughter Adam and Eve. Um, but also that's that's really the Catholic Church. It we we call priests fathers. We call the the Pope. That that's what that means, father. You know, In Papa, Papa. You. you know, and and bishops were fathers, and they have been called that since the beginning, the beginning times. There, after after the apostles, they've been called fathers. So it's not a CEO, it's not the president, it's right. not the prime minister. These this is a, a a family. It's a familial relationships, and if and if seeds of distrust can be sown within the family, you have a breakdown of the family. And I truly believe that's. In, in, a, in a large uh, extent, what's happening today? So people are just unwilling to uh, let go and let God, right? They're unwilling to trust in God, or they think that either they have to have something to do about it, or, or fix it. Or uh, we've talked about the fact that men want to fix everything, right? That's with duct right. tape and string. <laughs> but the idea that the human person is sort of self-reliant versus mm-hmm. God-reliant. That's right. Uh, and that's and you say that that you know the evil one's got a little little handiwork going on there ever since uh, uh, the Garden of Eden. That's right, he certainly does. And and it's interesting in the Old Testament you can see in the prophet Jonah, the prophet Elijah, uh, certainly Job. Huh? You can see it in, in these figures of the Old Testament. They were really put to the test, trusting in God. They could not foresee one day ahead of the next. Huh? And they very easily they could have. Turned away from the Lord, turned to their own resources, turned turn to anywhere but God. Yet the great prophets show us, I will put my trust in the Lord, I will wait upon him, and I will allow him uh, to have his way in my life. You know, if you have a problem in your family with somebody, you go and talk to them. That's right. right? You got a problem with dad, dad, I need to talk to you about something. You know, perhaps maybe we need to increase that time that we talk to our, our heavenly father. But does the devil offer any hindrances there? Certainly, well, according to the catechism, uh, but it, but also we would we would just know this uh, intuitively and and scripturally as well. We know that prayer is difficult. We live in a time uh, where where real it, it's a secular time. God has been removed uh, from so many uh, places uh, other than the than than the home, and even the home God has been removed there as well. And and therefore, as a result, prayer as well. And and prayer is very very difficult. We're, I I call it a spiritual epide- epidemic. Uh, oftentimes, you'll ask kids, "Do you pray?" Or even adults, "Do you pray?" Oh, I, I'll say an hour hour father before I go to bed. Well, how would it be if a married couple said twenty seconds of words to each other every day? What would happen over the years? Well, you would have no relationship at all, right? Yeah. But you're right, Deacon Jeff. This this is the key that prayer. It, it is hard. It's like communicating, um, spouses communicating to each other. It's hard. It's a battle. Um, that's what the Catechism 2725 says. It's a battle against whom? Well, against ourselves, who would rather not pray, uh, and against the wiles of the tempter, who does all that he can to turn man away from prayer, away from union with God. Because it's in prayer, we do have union with God, but we find out we're loved. We find out that, that Christ is our brother and wishes to save us, uh, not only from sins, but 
from the enemy, you know, we find out who our true identity is. We live in an, in a world of confusion. They they, they have uh, where everyone's questioning everything: their identity, uh, their sexuality, uh, their relationship with God. They question everything, huh? And yet it's in prayer that we find all these answers. And it's amazing that people will go through life talking about how they don't have time for this, they don't have time for that, and maybe not even stopping to think that the reason why they don't have time, really, there's something going on there in terms of of maybe the devil's trying to keep them. From some of that good stuff you're talking about, it's like we want to fill up our our gas tank in our car, uh, but somebody's blocking the way to the gas station. That's right. right. And that's the devil. That's right. He he uses another. Uh, we we talked about playing on this on this trust. Uh, he will play on another mechanism as well, and he'll play on the mechanism of human guilt, which is not a bad thing, by the way. Uh, human guilt, but he will play on that. There was a famous. Uh, bishop uh, of the 20th century had his own TV show. Uh, many of you uh, probably listening to this program would recognize his name, Archbishop Sheen. That's right. Uh, he, was, he was a great preacher. And he, he recognized one of the ploys um, of the devil. And he says, you know, the devil, yes, he had many titles, father of lies, a murderer from the beginning. But also f- from the, the, the great Satan uh, in, in Hebrew of the Old Testament was called the accuser. Well, how does that work? He says, well, before we're faced with a sinful action, the devil's our best friend, puts his arm around us. It's okay. Everyone else is doing it. Uh, You know, you can't trust God in this one. Why are you going to let these commandments rule your life? Don't let anybody tell you what to do. And he says, and there's Christ on the cross saying, this is how much I love you. Are you still going to choose this sinful act? Okay. So we have our best friend, Satan. After the sin, after the sin, and and the devil wants us to get, he wants us to to sin, but that's only the number one punch. You got to watch out for the number two punch, and the number two punch is the punch of despair, and that's where the devil wants to lead us to. He becomes our accuser. Look what you've done. God will never forgive you for this. Disparity is a trap. You fall into it, it's yes, an, and it's hard to get out. It's an absolute trap. It's it's like you get knocked. Uh, to 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 the mat there, and the devil puts his head on your face, huh? And it's, God will never forgive you. And Christ comes along, and He is your best friend at that point, and He's still your best friend beforehand. But this is one of the mechanisms why people will not come back to God, especially after very very serious sins, um, because they don't believe that God will forget them, and they are listening, uh, allowing themselves to listen to the to the evil spirits who will keep them in despair. This is really the ultimate work of the evil one. Well, these are all wise words, and I hope folks can hear this and maybe be inspired to, uh, to open their hearts up to realize the victory that Christ has already won, right? And that we always have, as you said, a friend uh, uh, in Jesus Christ, and that when we feel that time that like we were drawn towards despair, we don't want to go to despair. We want to realize that Christ is the answer, right? That's, That's right. where the joy comes from, and that, and that the devil is not going to be the victor. That's right. That's Amen. Right. Father Anthony, thank you so much for joining us here in the Deacon. Catholic Thanks, Cafe's Luxurious Corner booth. Father, would you mind offering us a prayer, just a short prayer here to close us out? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all your gifts to us. May the power of your Holy Spirit be upon us to protect us, keep us from all evil. Give us the discernment, the wisdom to know of the workings of the evil one in our lives, to recognize his lies as well, and to dispel them in the power and the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.